We are live. We Episode are live. number 37? 30 Ocho. 30 Ocho. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 37 was last week. 37 and 30 Ocho. <laughs> Dirty Ocho. Dirty. Hey, how dare you? So uh, I have a, I, I'm, I'm straying a little bit from the, uh, the typical weekly poison. Well, I'm not, but I am. So I have a, a flower power. Okay. Flower go power? With, we're going with a little bit of IPA. And it's only because, and you're going to get a kick out of this. So I didn't have a chance to, uh, to run out. I ran out of the, uh, the Basil Hayden's that, uh, that I've been uh, kind of tipping off for the past, I don't know, three weeks. You've been hitting and, that every day? No, no. But you, you make like one, if I, like, if I do like an old fashioned or something like that, they tend to go because you're pouring like, you know, not just the two ounces. I'll go like four. Yeah. And then, but so. I asked a friend of mine who was making a pit stop at the uh, at the liquor store. I was like, "Hey, uh, can you just make a pit stop for me? Since since you're going there anyway, just grab me something." And just made it simple. I was like, "Bullet." They have bullet everywhere. So um, nice. I was like, "Yeah, I know, I'll pay you for it. Just just pick it up, and I'll I'll give you money for it when I see you." So they did. But this is what they got me. <laughs> bullet. <laughs> yeah. Do you see the size of this thing? Okay. It's it's like that. Uh, it's like here's, that. Um, yeah. Here's my, here's my phone. Yep. Yeah. So this is uh, this will last an episode. It's like that that bottle of Glen Levet I had that wasn't that wasn't a nipper or a nip whatever the hell you want to call it and it wasn't a full size bottle. It was like somewhere in between. This is like something that somebody's gonna have in their winter jacket while they're while they're shoveling tomorrow as we sit on the eve of winter storm. <laughs> Is it a fifth? Uh, yeah. Is it a fifth? Yeah. Nice. I haven't had one of these things in forever. So yeah, that's what I'm going with. So bullet, bullet for the, uh, bullet for the win. Nice. Oh, I still got that that uh, Remy Martin cognac. So just polishing that off. It's actually nice and smooth. I do got to say, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. Is it something that you're going to venture back to? I don't know. Maybe. It's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. What do you got to say? We're not going to give like some cockamamie, you know, description of it. Like, you know, smoky, peaty. The scented, or, the, the, the hints of sunshine and, uh, yeah, rays of sunshine and hints of ripe currants. Yeah, no. No, but I have flower power, so it is what it is. <laughs> so what exactly, what is flower power? Is that some type of beer or what is it's it? It's a India pale ale. Oh, IPA. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's not too bad. I do like IPAs compared to other beers. I like them if it's if I'm just gonna have like a, a beer or two, I'll go with it. But even now, I'm like I'm starting to open up to like sours. Do you have any yeah. like? So it's mm-hmm. a little bit different. But but the, the IPAs are just so heavy. I feel like, and especially in the summer. Like it's just it's too much. I don't want to have that high of an alcohol content in a beer. Like some of these things I'm seeing are like thirteen percent. It's just ridiculous. It's like <laughs> beer flavored wine. Yeah, yeah. It it just it's way too much. It's way too much. Yeah, you know I haven't. I mean, I don't know. I'm not really like a huge beer drinker. I do like beer on a nice hot summer day. Yeah, um, but like then it's nice... like something lighter, right? It's like a, something lighter and more. I don't know. I'll use the word to describe it as crisp. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're. I mean, something with not—I don't know how to describe it. I don't want to say like that harsh of a taste, because that doesn't really make much sense. But yeah. I guess something that's not too bitter. I mean, I—I I, I like sours too, but I can only tolerate them so much. 
Right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, um, I guess I'm more of a, a weak bear type of drinker. Not, not really a light bear, but like, you know, I, I like Sam Adams, like a Sam Summer or, or, um, what's the hell, what the hell's the other one? Is it, is it Linen Kugels or something like that? Something like, yeah, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Or like a it's Goose like, Island or whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, Shit even like now, that. like there's, there's some of these other like kind of blends where it's like, uh, like, what is that? Like Fisher Islands or something like that. It's like almost like a lemonade. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are pretty good. I'll be completely like, honest with you. People say what they want about these white claws and like these seltzer beers of it, you know, kind of got a, a bad rap, but uh, like if I'm playing golf on a hot day, like if that's the go-to, it's not gonna, it's not gonna bog me yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Over the winter, there's uh there's Sam Adams holiday white ale or something like that. My wife and I actually really, really like it. It's pretty good. Yeah. There was a harpoon. So. I think one that was pretty good. How was your weekend, man? Well, other than uh, filleting my thumb open yesterday, um, can't complain too much. Mm. We uh, did a little painting in my office, did a little remodeling. So I got the what looks like a library behind me or a bookshelf full of books. But Look like quite the uh, intellectual, at least you, you pass it off as though you are. I kind of dove down this rabbit hole with documentaries lately. So on Netflix, I came across this documentary about the Night Stalker, Richard uh, Ramirez, out uh, in L.A. Um, in the 70s, serial killer. It was pretty interesting. Um, I recommend it if you're into that kind of thing. But also, like, I stumbled out. You know, we've talked about this whole QAnon thing a couple times. So I, I went down this rabbit hole, and there, it's a three-part series, and it's by uh, uh, the Vice Channel. And uh, mm -hmm. the, the third episode, uh, the third installment, I haven't seen yet. Um, but it's 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 crazy like some of these i and granted you know it's done by vice and they're typically you know it's typically more left-leaning if you will and i don't know if it's like they wanted to you know paint this like it like it's it, this crazy far i mean it is very very far right but some of the <laughs> ideas that they they come up with it's 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 really mind-blowing i mean basically this whole thing started on a platform called 4chan so it's like uh, almost can you explain like, what that is what, i've been hearing a lot about that yeah i just thought it, it okay. it's kind of like a foreign concept to me so 4chan was basically an online platform where people could kind of speak it, it almost looked like a chat room um okay so i want to use the description like reddit but Reddit kind of has like a bunch of different headlines and different topics that you could click on and kind of kind of go into. This was just like, you know, like open forum similar to that. And it was uncensored. There was no moderation. Um, it's so actually free speech, free, <laughs> free speech. So be, because of that, it became like this whole, this whole like format where people could post, you know, as with free speech would go and pretty much anything that they wanted. So what was, are you Mike Tyson? You're getting knocked out over there. The bell's ringing. <laughs> so <laughs> go away. You're very popular. So apparently basically, you know, what was happening was this person that identified as I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So you, you were interested in what 4chan was. So 4chan yeah. was like this, this, you know, basically a, a speech platform, if you will, it sends open because open forum, and, and yeah. I think since this whole thing kind of, kind of came about, and, and these things that have kind of developed from 
that platform, there were, there became 8chan, and then there was another one that was like 8kun, like K-O-U-N or something like that, 8kun, I believe it was called. So it, it's, it spiraled off, and in, in this, these documentaries, you, you, they, they talk about it. Um, it's the guy that had 8chan, and this other guy basically kind of took it over, if you will. Um, so basically on this whole QAnon thing, it was a person that identified themselves as Q. So they were saying that this was the, the, the code name for whoever was the highest ranking or the highest clearance for the Department of Energy. And they were dropping what were called crumbs. So basically hints um, mm. as to whatever this, this, this plot was or whatever. And so these were referred to as crumbs. And then the baker would basically put all these these hints together and come up with some kind of idea of what was what was going on behind the scene. So a lot of these theories they involve like uh, human trafficking, pedophilia is like a big topic with them. Um, like everybody seems to be a pedophile to them. I mean, Tom Hanks was a pedophile. Mother Teresa ran a sex trafficking operation. I mean, a lot, it, it's crazy. So I remember early on, there was a reference I made to Pizzagate. Pizzagate is something that came from, from this. And I don't know if you remember what it was, but it was basically a, a pizza place in a local, uh, a local, not local to here, but, you know, just like your local pizza place, local to me, not like a little Caesars or a or Domino's, yeah, yeah. something like a, a chain. And the story was that, it was linked to Hillary Clinton who had a pedophilia ring that was running through this pizza place. So this guy grabs, grasped onto the idea and went into this pizza place with a, with a rifle and just started mowing people down. So somebody that was completely unrelated to any kind of, you know, any kind of sex trafficking or anything like that got killed because of a story that was spread on one of these platforms. I mean, that's just one example, but it goes on to say like this whole idea, like one of the themes that in, in quotes that they like to use is like the storm is coming and get ready for the storm. Yeah. And so they grasped on to Trump because there was an interview that he did early on and he was with a lot of the, the high ranking officials in the military. And I don't know if you remember this, but he's like, you know what this looks like? It looks like the calm before the storm, right? I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. But so they took that and applied that to their whole theory that the storm is coming. Do you follow? So they thought that he was signaling that the storm that they've been talking about. Now, everybody kind of caught on to this whole cue thing later on, not to realize that they're referencing something that he said far before this this person who identifies as Q dropped their first post. Mm. So they're completely unrelated. So mm. it's almost like they're they're telling a story after the fact and just putting their own twist on it. It's it's crazy. But I mean, a lot of these things that are coming from it, I mean, it has to do with like this whole coronavirus thing being a hoax and that basically it's just being done as mind control and that there's a greater you know, there's a greater cause and, you know, all these restrictions are being put in place. And, but it, it kills me because, you know, it's something that we've talked about before and how naive do we have to be to think that this is something that's 
being put in place by the United States government when this is something that's being affected by, you know, the entire world is, is being affected by this. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. It, it's I, I, what you're what you're telling me sounds exactly what the left does on the other end, which is, you know, accuse people of being xenophobic and homophobic and racist. So it's right. kind of like the the uh, the far right answer to what the far left does, which doesn't make things any better just kind of swings the pendulum in the complete opposite direction right and that's something that you and i we talked we've talked about this you know the further you go right the further people are going to go left and vice versa because there's always going to be this balance i mean think about uh on a seesaw you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. if somebody was heavier you you would kind of have to push them more towards the middle because yeah you're you're, you're trying to get that balance but it's a dangerous dangerous you know, the, and especially because, you know, these stories that are coming out of this, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like there's already situations where people have died. And yeah. if you watch this documentary, you're going to see some of these people that just that, that talk about these cockamamie schemes. I mean, it, and it's just to to realize that there's some people that believe in this is is crazy. Um they talk to a bunch of different people that they think, you know, I think the first episode in the series is, is finding Q or trying to figure out who actually is Q, which mm. spoiler alert, they, they, nobody knows, but yeah. there, there's one person who goes on it and saying that he was one of the original, um, I guess it was basically a, like a triad that, uh, that put it like, you know, three different people kind of put their heads together to come up with this idea. And he was saying that, the whole thing was basically done as a as a LARP, like a, a live action role play kind of thing. Like <laughs> seriously, and that's the word that he used to describe it. So basically, the whole thing he's saying was done as a parody on Trump supporters, and a lot of these Trump supporters jumped onto this idea and wrote it like a bucking bronco, and, and just you know they're they're still going with it. Jesus, you know, I mean, it's crazy. Like we got this this bison boy jacob angel and jelly <laughs> like i don't know if you saw like now he's a green bison that's, boy that's, <laughs> i don't know what else to call him figured like the, the shoe fits i mean he looks like he could be the president of the fraternal order of uh, water buffalo and fred flintstone <laughs> but you know now he's agreeing to testify against trump in the impeachment because he's upset that he wasn't pardoned by by trump so he he feels like he was betrayed and this is a subject that we talked about last episode where a lot of these QAnon people they're they're distancing themselves from trump and they're calling this guy a shill and a traitor and all this other crazy stuff because so like so i I guess the the ultimate question is like and i don't know if anybody's actually asked them but what exactly are they looking for like what's their what's their end game you know what are they looking to achieve with all and i i would you know i i would pose that question not only to them but also the people on the far left like what's your ultimate goal what's your what's your end game and everything that you're doing obviously i don't want to think that you're that these people are putting in all this effort for us to just fizzle out which it just probably will no matter on, on what side of the political spectrum that they're on um but what's their end game like what, what are they looking to achieve with all this I don't know if they necessarily have an end game, but I, I think, you know, the idea is that the basically the stop the steal mantra really caught on with these guys. So 
as far as they're concerned, they're, the, the the entire election was a fraud. Um, eventually, and, and I keep seeing from, from people that really believe in this movement, I keep seeing, be patient. You're going to see the results. Trump is going to be the 19th president. And I'm like, what is he talking about? Trump was already number 45. How are we going to go back to 19? Yeah. Well, but the... Um, like the United States Republic, I guess, what? which I, I mean, I, I got to brush up on my history because I'm not really that familiar with it. Um, I'm sure if anybody listening to this that understands what it is, is just like, you idiot, you know. Um, but I, I don't get it. But, you know, people that really latched onto this movement, they truly believe that at some point, the veil is going to be lifted, and then people are going to discover that Donald Trump is still president of the United States. But, I mean, Jesus, why? You know, we talked about this last time. Why would anybody want to go back to that? I think this guy's yeah. perfectly happy playing golf every day yeah. at Mar-a-Lago. Like, I think he's, yeah. he's done. And this whole thing, like, there's another slogan that they're shouting now. It's the best is yet to come. Like, dude, it's just it a tagline. Like, and, I, yeah, I don't know if it, Dave... I don't know if they've actually been paying attention to the past few weeks, but I would highly doubt that the, that there's any better coming than what's actually come. <laughs> no, it's because they're saying that this whole thing is going to be overturned and it's going to be discovered that this was a fraudulent, like they're holding on to this whole thing that the, the election is going to be overturned. And like after the fact, I mean, Trump's already conceded. He's already got a tea time for tomorrow. Yeah. Like he, he's good, man. Like, he, yeah, he's just stop basically the best is yet to come is going to be like a tagline for the next season post presidency of the apprentice. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> a, a good idea. His, his political aspirations are over. I mean, I know there's a lot of talk about him creating a third party. Um, yeah, which I don't know, man, it's pretty interesting. I don't know if you saw this earlier today, I guess Mike Pence is, is forming. I, he, he filed something. It's, uh, it's a new political committee. It is a 501c for organization. It's a nonprofit. It's, is that what it is? Yeah, uh, I think nonprofits usually are 501c. So it, it's allowed to participate in politics through purchasing ads, for example. These types of organizations are classified as social welfare not nonprofits. There you go. According to the IRS and must not spend more than 50% of their funds on political ventures. So... They're saying that he, he might be doing this because he wants to, to set up for a bid in 2024. Mike Pence's, okay. Yes. Okay. I can see. I know, I know a lot of times they put together these like exploratory committees for, for runs at, at office and all this. Like, yeah, I guess it's like some market research or something or some political research to really see like what their, what their chances are and like, right, you know, right. what the, trying to take the, the temperature or the pulse of, of voters out there and all that other stuff. So that's interesting. Hey man. I mean, his, his debate against Harris was, it was interesting to see him talk for a change, to be honest with you. Yeah. Usually he's just kind of like the man in the background, but he was very yeah. well put together. And it, it makes me wonder that if his politics, okay, not his personality, but if his politics are similar to what we saw for the past four years um, and he could handle it, in a smooth demeanor, uh, he, he could speak like he did without getting rattled I mean, because uh -huh. there was plenty of times in that debate where he, the, the potential for him to be rattled and come unhinged was, was there, you know? Yeah. And he didn't. He, he, was, he, he was unflinching. And I yep. think if he handles 
himself with the kind of politics that he just was vice president for, he might have a good chance. Yeah, I mean, it, if he did, his his biggest hurdle, obviously, is overcoming is, the the fact that he's yeah. attached to Trump. Yeah, I exactly, agree exactly. So I mean, but he's I don't know he's he's very good with with his words, and he's very, at, yeah, he's, he's very good at yeah he's he's very good at at wordsmithing if you will um in terms like how how he explains something and i that's part of what i liked about him is that he he was to the point but he was he was coherent in what he would say and that's that's why a lot of people really think he 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 destroyed uh kamala harris in that in that debate i mean she really didn't have much of a leg to stand on to be honest she didn't um everything that she threw at him he was prepared he, mm-hmm. he knew the answers for well ahead of time. I mean, you know, we talked about it at the time when, when the only when the only talking points of a debate, you know, from the other side are, you know, when when she kind of fired back, she's like, listen, I'm talking. Like, you yeah, know, there's really not much substance to your argument. But one thing, you know, getting back to Pence is that, you know, during this whole insurrection at the Capitol thing, he continued, he, he said, "No, we're going to go through with this this electoral product. We're not going to we're not going to yeah. enact any any insurrection acts, or we're, we're just going to this is this is a this is an election. We lost, we lost. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. I think I, I think he took it. Uh, I mean, I'd have to say I think he took it with dignity. I don't think he was, yeah. you know, he wasn't going to going to try to put up some fight for something that wasn't there, which I think was the right thing for him to do. Right. I he mean, try to it, shove his foot in the door while it was closing. Yeah, exactly. So." Um, hey, I mean, if he does, uh, and and he maintains a lot of the same policies with keeping a, a much cleaner demeanor, if you will, hmm. he's he's got my vote. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting yeah. to see. I mean, we saw how many executive orders in the first couple. What are we weeks up to forty-two. Is it forty-two? I think forty-two. Now, yeah. you, you sent me a list of them, and I went over them, and, and some of them uh, I wasn't against because some of the executive orders they didn't have to do with things being overturned from the previous administration. I mean, with the amount that were there, there was obviously going to be some new things. Like I saw, there was, you know, there was executive orders that were were in there to basically combat the COVID um, COVID pandemic. Uh-huh. Um, there was stuff that was in there to just basically help push along you know financial help that a lot of people needed um but then there was there like some of the things that were just kind of thrown in there you know when it had to do with with uh immigration for example like we're going to open up our borders but yet we're going to limit our you know like i just said i mean some of these executive orders that were in place they're they're going to combat the the covid virus so by doing that we're going to limit travel from state to state but yet we're going to open our borders to foreign countries how does that make sense oh it doesn't and and that's that's the issue now did did you read just the 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 quick summaries that i sent you or did you read through all the executive actual executive orders I, i read what you sent me okay all right yeah, see, and my, my issue with those is that now you have uh, a, a news a news organization that gives their own quick blurb of what the actual executives or executive orders now are. Yeah, I know I didn't read through 42 yeah, examples and, and, and this is thing that you sent me. Yeah, no, and I, 
I wouldn't expect you to in, in, in a day's time, especially when you have other, you know, better things to do with your life. Um, I read through one of them. I can't remember exactly which one it was. And it, it was, this was early on, like a couple weeks ago, I think I, I started reading through this and it was, it was a whole thing about, about combating climate change. And, and I think it was like, it was the one to re-sign on to the, to the Paris climate accord and all this other stuff. And I actually read through the, the PDF of, of the executive order. And, you know, just like any other bill that's put through, that's put through Congress, there's so much other bullshit that's added onto these things. And that's why, you know, like when I, you know, when, when people bring these up and some people are, Oh, well, I agree that, you know, we should do things about climate change. Okay, fine. I think, you know, that idea in general is a good idea, but, my problem with these things is that when you start reading into the details of either the executive order or the bill that's put through or all this other stuff or what, what the, you know, the Paris climate accord means and all this other stuff, people really lose out on what the details of those things are. And there's a lot of hidden things in there that unless you read through them with a fine tooth comb, you go through those details, you're never going to get that. Nobody's ever, no media outlet is ever going to sit there and analyze an entire executive order for, for, for the commoner. They absolutely will not do that. And unfortunately, I, I, I have a strong feeling that a lot of politicians put a lot of fluff into these bills to really deter the commoner from actually reading through them because they are lengthy. There's a lot of uh, lawyer speak in them that just confuses the shit out of people as opposed to clarifying anything. And yet people will just look at these things and say, you know, like, and I'm not saying that you blindly believed all these things. I think wholeheartedly you believe in the concept behind some of these things, but the actual orders themselves, the actual bills that Congress will put through, there's a lot of bullshit that gets injected into them that people just kind of glaze over and say, oh, well, you know, they, they look at the title of the, of the executive order of the bill and they say, oh, I'm good with it because that looks, that looks fine to me. That looks good. Like, you know, this, you know, when, when they start trying to, to put through like these bills for, for gun control and all this other stuff, my issue isn't, isn't the, the, isn't the fact that, you know, they're trying to make the world a safer place by, by really implementing good, like good common sense rules to gun ownership. Like if you are criminally insane, yes, I truly believe you shouldn't be owning a gun. My issue is when they start inserting all this other bullshit that people just, they, they don't even realize is in there, that now all of a sudden gets incorporated as law. And next thing you know, you have all these other regulations that you have to worry about that you're like, well, where the hell did this come from? This, this doesn't make any sense. And quite frankly, this is why people just are fucking irritated with politicians. They really hate them because of all this bullshit they insert into these bills that screws over the average American. That's my issue with, with all these things. I don't care about executive orders. I don't care about bills. If they're good and you know they, they do good for the average American, I'm okay with them. I'm not okay with all the other bullshit that gets inserted into them. That's my problem. Right, and I think a great example of that is just like this $1.9 trillion bill that just went through just before Biden came into office. Like, uh -huh. you know, there was a, a viral video that I saw today. Some kid, he sounded like he was from the Boston area. Kind Boston. Of, 
kind of had a little bit of a Southie accent. I don't yep, know. Did you I see it? It, it, yep. it was like a TikTok video or something. It's actually like really that. good. It was really good. Um, you know, talking about how, you know, if we have all this money to send to all these other countries, like, are we that well off? How come it's taking so long? And people that have lost everything during the lockdown mm-hmm. in this pandemic, they still don't have the financial support to get back on their own feet. You know, I mean, I agree. It was it, it was kind of funny because a friend of mine, they, they retweeted it and it just like his his own bit was like, yeah, what he said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I and I, I don't want to hijack the rest of this episode, but I've been doing a lot of thinking over the past couple of days. And that common sense that comes from that dude just saying, you know basically like, you know, kind of, kind of like speaking out to the politicians saying, you know, you all are a lot smarter than I am. So please explain this to me. So he simplifies everything and puts everything in very simplistic terms with, of course, the, the Southie Boston accent. I like, I like at the end, he's like, Hey, big guy, can you explain it to me? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Big guy. Exactly. But this, that, or so, so what he, he explained in that video Okay. What happened on January 6th at the Capitol and what's been happening over the past week with stocks. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into that. We, and we will, I don't know if you want to use this as a segue. If you, if you want to hold off on it, we could go over a couple other things fine by me, but I've been doing a lot of thinking over the past couple days. I think the, the average everyday American and again, doesn't matter what end of the political spectrum you're on. I'm talking about the average everyday American has to get up and go to work every single day to, to make a living for themselves. Somebody who has school loans, somebody who has a car payment, somebody who has a mortgage, somebody who doesn't have three or four mansions, somebody who can't, you know, doesn't have offshore bank accounts. I'm talking about your average everyday American, okay, has finally woken up or at least beginning to wake up and beginning to, to say, we are stronger than the elitists that are running this country. Okay. Because people are starting to really start asking those good questions. People are really starting to fight back. Now, going back to January 6th, you may not agree with it. I certainly don't agree with, with what happens. I think there's, there are much better ways of, of going about, you know, challenging politicians for, for why things are going on. There's a much, much better way to do what they did. But why did that happen? Because people are sick and tired of politicians just doing shit that flagrantly doing things that the American people don't like when it affects your life. You have these 42 executive executive orders that, that went through this past month. Uh, many people have lost their jobs already in a month's time. Okay. The average everyday American is sick and tired of this bullshit. Okay. You have hedge fund managers that are shorting stocks. Okay. I don't know if the average listener knows what that means. I'm not prone this by any stretch of the imagination, but basically what they are doing is the reason why they call them hedge funds is that they are hedging bets against companies that they believe are going to do bad financially. So they think their stock is going to, to go down. So in essence, they're basically betting that that's going to happen. And when they do that, they actually artificially drive the stock lower so people start panicking and they start selling whatever stock they have to that. And in the, in the end of them doing that, they actually make a lot of money. Now, what can screw these hedge funds over is if they short a stock the way they did, they, they do these short squeezes as what you've probably been hearing in the financial news over the past week, yet the stock starts going up. 
So now, and that can go up, in, you know, infinitely. It, there, there's no ceiling to it. So they can lose their shirts. And I think what's finally happened is that the average person who actually understands what's going on has gotten finally sick and fucking tired of these financial maggots, okay? These, these parasites that prey on the average everyday investor and these companies that may not be doing financially that well to, to drive these, these businesses and these people out of business into bankruptcy, okay? So the average everyday American has said, you know what? I'm done with this bullshit. Now we're going to fuck you over. And that's exactly what happened this past week. And I, I, I couldn't be happier with it, to be quite honest. I'm interested because you seem to know a little bit more than I do. So I, I always thought it was basically a supply and demand and also the more successful a company is doing, you know, it's going to be there for a while. If you're going to invest your money being something, you know, mm-hmm. longevity is key. Yep. So basically, you know, I, I see if people are trying to buy, you know, a lot of people are trying to buy a certain stock, it's going to drive the, the stock up, correct? Like supply and demand kind of issue. Yeah. So it's, so what, it's yeah, just like any other product. That part I get. Yeah. What I don't get is how do you make money off of thinking something's going to go out of business? I don't that that's the part that I don't understand. Yeah, it it's it's really hard to explain. I'm no pro in it by any stretch of the imag- imagination. I'm an absolute amateur in it and I would absolutely encourage anybody listening to this educate yourself on on how all that works. I invest in stocks. I'm no pro in it. I I for, I've learned my lesson in in some losses that I've had. I only invest in companies that actually give you a good dividend. And by dividend, meaning that, you know, whatever profits they have, they basically, you know, divide it out to all their stockholders. So like, for instance, I hold uh, 150 shares of, of GlaxoSmithKline, the, the pharmaceutical company, the pharmaceutical giant. Their dividend is about 5% or so. So think of it as like, you know, you invest so much in this company and whatever you invest in them, you get back you get a 5% return per year. Okay. Think of it as like you throw your money into a bank account and you're going to get a 5% return on investment. Most bank accounts right now, savings accounts are maybe like 0.5% if, if you even get that much. So think of something you're getting a 10, 10 times greater return on investment by doing so. And in the process of doing so, the stock can go up. It could even go down. But what I've learned is to stick to stick to companies that have been around for a long period of time they're, they're pretty successful. So like, you know, major pharmaceutical companies, energy stocks, or even technology stocks. So I also own ExxonMobil and I also own AT&T. Uh, they all have dividends over 5%. So meaning that whatever money I, I invest in them, I get a, at least a 5% return on investment every year. So, so my goal- to own a percentage in their company than it is to invest and just throw it in and sit on it in a savings. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a lot more volatile because, like I said, the 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 price of the stock can go up and down. Now, to give you an example of where I actually did pretty well, I ended up buying about a hundred shares of Merck um, a couple of years ago at about sixty dollars a share. So it was, it was like six thousand dollars I invested in Merck. Their their dividend was like I don't know maybe four percent or so. So again, you get about a four percent return on investment, but. What's nice about Merck is that was about the time that, that their main oncology drug, Keytruda, really started taking off. And their stock went as high as $95 a share. So from $60 a share to $95 a share. And I ended up selling it at like around $91 a share. So I made 
not only did I, did I make money on the dividends, but I also got back an extra $30 per share. So I made about $3,000 on that, just on the stock price going up. So I did, you know, I, I did okay. There's other smaller stocks I did poorly on. I'll fully admit that. I, I definitely lost a few thousand with, with other, other stocks that, that just did poorly um, over, over a short period of time. But so I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't go really outside of anything, really hedging bets on, you know, if a small company start is going to soar, if they're going to get bought out and all this other stuff, because it's hard to really, unless you're doing research every single day on the stuff, it's really hard to keep up with, with all of it. So I just, I don't bother with all that, the crazy volatility. I really just invest in companies with a good dividend. But my understanding of hedging bets against companies to drive their stock price artificially down is so when you're when you when you're when you're trading in stocks, typically speaking, you're buying stocks. So you're you're buying assets, if you will. Um, And as more people buy that stock, that will drive the price of the stock up, because, again, just like you're saying, supply and demand. So if there's a higher demand for it, you can charge more for it because you have a lower supply. Now, at the same time, if people start selling the stock more than people are buying, now your supply is higher and your demand is lower. So that will drop the price of the stock. Okay. So I kind of learned this when I was in high school and we were going through some of these finance classes. What these hedge funds do and again, I, I encourage people to really do their own research on how it actually works. But my understanding of it is basically that they see that they're hedging a bet against a company. They think the stock of that company is going to come down. So instead of buying stock, it's almost like they sell something that they don't have. Okay. And then as the price of that stock drops, eventually they have to buy it. So within like a certain contract time, within six months or so, they have to buy the stock, okay? So that's when they buy. So say, for instance, you sell something you don't have at 30 a share, then you, then you buy it at $10 a share. So there's a $20 per share difference. So whatever, so whatever that difference is, that's the profit that you actually keep. Does that, does that make sense? No, I, I get it. Yeah. That so that's, so that's kind of like what, that's it, it, the very, very basics of what they do. So again, they're, they're betting against it, but by doing so, they're also driving the demand of selling the stock. Does that make sense? Yeah, this is all you know what a speculator's job is. Exactly, exactly. It's all speculation. So they've been doing this for decades. They've they've been almost artificially manipulating stocks for their own benefit. Right. And so that's then, the thing. It's been going on for so long. Exactly. And so this then, is the first so, time it's kind of come into light. Yeah, because, and this is what I'm saying, like, I think 2021, uh, I know it's very young in the year, but I think 2020 year, or 2020 year, 2021 is starting to shape up to be the year of the average everyday American really rebelling against the elitists in this country. Okay, this, this is my perception of the way the, the year is starting to, to, to unfold. So yes. what happened, what happened this past week is that, you know, there was speculation that because GameStop, which is the, this company that, you know, sells video games and, and all these other things uh, for, for your average gamer, like PlayStations, Xboxes, whatever. So Have you ever they been just, in one? Yeah. Yeah. Multiple times. There's one like by my, I never see anybody there. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, 
you know, which is why this was such a good target to do this with. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just another retail store is basically all it is. I mean, it's not like it offers you like a service. It's basically you buy games, you buy game systems. Maybe you can buy like memberships for like Xboxes or Playstations, whatever. I'm I'm no like, you know, game or anything, but I'm not either. But what it seems like to me is kind of the same premise is when we were kids, there was Funko Land. It's basically, it's like a pawn shop for video games. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the new systems and everything there too, but yeah, exactly. So what happened this past week is that, you know, speculators were saying GameStop isn't doing well financially. So we're hedging bets against this. We're going to drive the price down further than what it actually is. So I guess a bunch of people on Reddit really caught wind of this and said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's, let's try to fuck with them as best we possibly could. So what they did. Yeah. So you had, you know, thousands upon thousands of your average everyday investors started buying shares of GameStop. So now they're, they're driving demand. Okay. They're, they're, the demand for the stock now is exceeding the supply because you have hedge fund managers that are trying to quote unquote sell it. But you have a lot, of, a lot more people that are, that are buying more outstanding shares than are actually out there. So what happens? Now you drive the price of the stock up. And what happens to those, to those hedge fund managers that are thinking that the stock is actually going to drop? Now they're, they're fucked because, again, they sold at, say, like $30 a share, but now they're obligated to buy it within a certain contract time. Say it goes to $90 a share or something like that. Now you're, you're losing like 300% of, what you, of what, you, what, you, um, what you invested in this. So now, you, you know, now this actually literally, makes sense. I, I, I see what you were now. I see where, yeah. where if you're speculating the price to go down, I, yep. I get that now. They've literally you're basically lost. saying that you're betting like, okay, my investors, they bought in to, to whatever in, in, into my hedge fund yep. when I was at $5 and I was expecting it to go down to $3. So I was going to make $2 off of this when I yes. sold it. But instead now, while they're waiting for this to go down, all of a sudden it skyrockets. They're obligated. Now they have to buy the stock and their, their time is up. Now it's yeah. time to buy it. And I, I have no other choice. I waited it for it to go down and instead it went up. And yeah. now I see how they lost billions. Yeah. They've, they've literally lost tens of billions of dollars this past week because the average everyday American has finally said enough is enough. Fuck off. Now it's our yeah. turn to, to, to run this. And nothing that's exactly what happened. From and happening and what's come of all this? Yeah. But, but the thing that's pissed a lot of people off is that, you know, now you have like all these online trading companies like Robinhood or like some of these other companies that, I have you know, Robinhood. stop trading because, do you? I've, yeah. I've never actually dealt with that. I have an E-Trade account, but I've never done anything with, with Robinhood. Yeah, I've got a, I mean, so I could kind of play around. I've, made some money on it um but the whole idea behind i mean what is the story of robin hood right he yeah he robbed take from, from the, the rich, rich and, and, and to gave the to the poor yeah. so what you have here is is an example where finally you know because of an article on reddit the not so rich were able to band together and overtake the the rich people and now mm-hmm. The rules are getting changed. The goalposts yep. are getting moved because yep. God forbid, you know, Main Street makes some money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
And this is a thing that that's pissed a, a lot of people game. off. I've heard this and, and said this for years. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, it is. I mean, if unless you have millions to to go on, I mean, you're 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 just like anybody else. You're just like the rest of us. Yeah. You know, you're 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 an average everyday person. You're not an elitist. And I think people have finally had enough. Where and people are just are finally lashing out, and they're like, you know what? We're now we're going to beat you at your own game. But what's happening is that now the people who have been against regulation in their own industry now are asking for more regulation to try to protect themselves from the average everyday investor who can really fuck them over really good, which is exactly what we saw this past week. And that's what people are really, really pissed off about right now. They are really, really pissed off. What what they realized is how easy it actually is. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have an online platform like Reddit, a few times we've mentioned Reddit in this in this uh, episode, but if you have a platform like that, I think I saw the the amount of investors or, or not investors, a lot of members to that particular um, that that particular forum that was it, it tripled. It was up to six point five million dollars in just, or excuse me, six point five million members in just a week. In in as far as following this this article where they basically were telling you how to exploit, you know, Robin hood or, or whatever yep. platform you wanted to use to, to drive stock prices. up. Yeah. And here's, and here's one of the, other, I, and I don't know if you heard about it or if all, all, any other audience members have heard about it. So apparently after Robin hood halted trading of GameStop and it, it wasn't just GameStop, by the way. Okay. I, I want people to understand GameStop no, is also been AMC. A- Oh, it's been uh, like literally almost a dozen other stocks that have that speculators have been hedging bets against that your average everyday investor has bought into to drive demand up for it and driven the price <laughs> artificially high to really fuck these hedge hedge funds over. Um, oh, right. So, it bled over into cryptocurrency as well. Oh, without the, a yeah. Dogecoin. Do, yep. Doge, Dogecoin, whatever, I which I think I looked up at one point. It was like it was under a cent, under a cent per share. Yeah, and now it's like and 10 it got cents as high or something like as, that. I, last I saw it was five cents per share, which might not sound like much, right? To no, the not. average person, you hear, well, all right, well, it's up to five cents. But when you have, you know, you even throw $1,000 at it, right? Just yeah. look how much that's going to grow. Yeah. Like yeah, less exactly. than a penny turns into a penny. So you, you, like the, it's, it's growing by that much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what happened with Robinhood is that after they halted trading with GameStop, a lot of people really got pissed off and they started, as far as the app itself, people were giving it one-star ratings because of that. Like hundreds of thousands yeah, of people. they deleted them. Yes. And then Google had the audacity to go in to delete all those one-star ratings, which is really yeah, bullshit. They deleted over 100,000. Yeah, right. Exactly. And this is this is why cahoots together, huh? Oh, all the I want people to really understand. Okay, if you're not part of the elite class, if you're not a celebrity, if you're not a politician, if you're not one of these tech gurus with one of these big tech companies, if you're not one of these elitist hedge fund managers or work for one of them, okay, you are a commoner. You are just like the rest of us. You're an average everyday person. If you're one of them, then you're on the complete opposite side of the train tracks. Okay. But like I said, 2021 is, is panning so far and I, I could be wrong. I mean, we still got another 11 months to go in this year, 
But right now, it's really it's really shaping up to be the year of the average everyday person starting to rebel against the elitists that run this country. That's that's my perception of exactly what's going on. And I think people are finally fucking fed up with having to deal with these with this bullshit from these people. You know, one of the uh, one of the slogans I would always hear, you know, and going back to make a QAnon reference is that the, you know it's the, like the calm before the storm. It's like we're about to have the great awakening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not to steal anything from them, but when you start seeing examples such as this, you know, where basically their their weaknesses were exposed through just a platform yeah. on, on, on a social media that like a social media platform that anybody could access. You don't even have to be a member like Facebook. You have to create an account and go through all those steps. Reddit, you could just log on to. Yeah. So when a weakness gets exposed like this, what that causes such such ripples throughout. I mean, like I said, I mean, the SEC has created new new rules and and even um, even like you said, I mean, which which led to the, the poor reviews with Robinhood is throttling back the trades. And I guess people that were able to people that had it couldn't sell it. Is that they scale or you couldn't buy it? You could sell, but couldn't you buy could it. sell, but you couldn't buy it. Which again, if you're if you have more people selling but buying, that the the stock price is going to go down. Of course, they were doing it to manipulate the stock price themselves. Of course, so it's okay for them to do it. But mm-hmm. if if somebody you know orchestrates it on Reddit, then we got to change the rules and not allow it to happen. But yep. because of social media. You know, this term, the Great Awakening, I mean, we've been hearing it for a long time. Do you think that with an issue like this where people kind of look at it and, you know, people are able to free, but then again, people are still so distracted. And, and I know today I went on, on social media and scanned through and people, there were so, still some people talking about Trump and talking about Biden this and like pitting them against each other. Listen, that ship has sailed. What you yeah. have to pay attention to is right in front of you and just pay attention to what just happened in the past week. Because we're all fi- affected financially through Wall Street in one way or another. Yep. You know, if Wall Street collapses, you know, Wall Street collapses, then your dollar's not going to be worth a damn thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and we saw this going through 2008. You know what I mean? When when the bailouts took place. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, I mean, it's it, like you said. I mean, it's time for people to start paying attention to you know the commoners such as you and myself and anybody listening to this, you know, I, I doubt that Warren Buffett is listening to our podcast. Let's just be honest with you, <laughs> you know? And yeah, I've, I haven't seen any downloads from, from Omaha, Nebraska. So I guess he's not listening. <laughs> no, unless he took it, unless he was the one that was in Denmark that decided to, uh, to download. but yeah, you, you know, these are the, the, the people that, that aren't affected by, any of the shit that that we really go through you know what i mean like and, and yeah and and this is where where i've been saying for for actually you know both you and i have been saying for for a number of episodes it's we need to stop fighting amongst ourselves okay we need to stop you know we need to put our political differences aside and as as a society as the commoners of this country we need to come to the to the we need to finally have our epiphany where we could finally say to ourselves, we are the ones that have the power in this country, not these self-perceived elitists, not these rich people, not these celebrities, not these politicians, 
not these uh, other people who run society, okay? They don't have the power. We have the power. This past week was an absolute prime example. It, it, it can't be any more classical than that, where the commoner has, has had, or David has, figuratively speaking, slayed Goliath once again, okay? And David can slay Goliath constantly, over and over and over again, as long as David, which is us, the commoners, realize we have the power to do so, okay? So my message to the average everyday American is put your fucking political differences aside. We need to band together as a society all together and say we've had enough of these elitists. We've had enough of these, of these politicians. We've had enough of, of celebrities preaching to what we should do when they do the complete opposite, okay? We need to say... We run this, this country, not them. Stop thinking you have no power because you do. And when, when all of us pull all of our power together, we run the shit, not them. Okay. So stop with this bantering back and forth on Facebook about this and Trump's not going to get in office. Get over it. Okay. Stop. Just stop with that bullshit. Okay. Biden's there. You might, you may not like it. I certainly don't like it, but it is what it is. So what do we do? We beat these assholes at the ballot box. That's what we do. Okay. Stop thinking that, you know, Trump's going to come riding in on a white horse. It's not going to happen. Just stop. Get over it. Okay. Stop bantering back and forth with your liberal friends who are another group that just need to stop with, with their own bullshit. Okay. We need to be one united voice altogether. Like I said, this past week is a prime example of us being able to do that. So just, you really need to take, you need to take a step back and really need to understand, like I said, we have the power here, not them. The problem is, you know, you mentioned at the ballot boxes where change starts to happen, but the problem is, is that some of these politicians, when they get into office, they don't go off of whatever their local, you know, local district is that they're they're there to represent they go off their own agenda you know what i mean it's something that we talked about before i mean to use aoc as an example um you know when amazon wanted to build a headquarters in her district in new york she shot it down she said that you know she, she went on this whole idea that you know that there's going to be tax breaks given to them and it's not fair but you know talk to the people that live there I mean, there's people that don't have jobs. I remember after this whole thing happened where, you know, finally Amazon cave, they're like, okay, okay, we're not going to, we won't build there. I remember that there was a news segment and there was an individual that was walking down the street and the news stopped him to ask him what he thought. And he gave a piece of his mind. He's like, look at that. It's, it looks like a war zone over there. It's a decaying building. It needs to be torn down. The, it, it, you could replace that with 25,000 jobs. Why wouldn't you do that? Because... Yep these people get this misconception like, okay, the corporation is going to be given a tax break and it's unfair to the people that live there. Okay, fine. But what you don't realize is that those 25,000 jobs that are going to be brought in, there's still a payroll tax. Okay. So maybe you didn't get, maybe you're not getting a tax, you know, the tax from the actual company itself, which I get it. You know what I mean? You can throw your head, but now there's nothing. Now you yeah. still have a decrepit building that's falling apart with no jobs. Yeah. And I mean, really you're going to use, the fact that there was going to be a high amount of traffic 
as your bargaining chip, you're going to say, no, we can't have that. There's going to be too much traffic. Well, Jesus Christ, it's, there's traffic there because people are going to work and they're being able to put food on the table. They're being able to keep the lights on. They're getting off government assistance, such as welfare, such as, you know, you know, um, whatever Medicaid programs or whatever. Now they're put on the, a, a de- halfway decent insurance company or a halfway decent insurance plan. Yeah. So why, why is that a bad thing? But, you know, to get back to my point is that some of these people that are put into these positions of, of, of power and being in office, they don't necessarily represent what their district is all about. No. No. So very few of them half do. the time it turns into a damn popularity contest. You know, it's something that we talked about last, last episode where you had somebody like Nancy Pelosi that's been in government office since the early 80s. And do you think everybody really agrees with that? Do you think people agree with that, that in California itself, they lost was it three seats, maybe more, in in the House. They went from from Democrat to Republican because people are getting tired of the way that things are being run out there during this epidemic. You know, there's businesses that are being closed up. I mean, Como, Governor Como in New York said that you know we're going to have to start reopening whether we like it or not because if we don't, if we continue to wait, we're not going to have anything to open up. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, in California. Newsom is locking down everything still, but yet going to parties in, in, in wine country, you know, it, it's yeah. just, it, it's craziness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to your point about, you know, about the, these representatives, yeah, it turns into a popularity contest, but this is like, I'm, this is what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, the average person really needs to, you know, the average person really needs to, really needs to, to, to stop just blindly voting for people just based on if they have a D or an R in front of their name. Stop doing that. And I, you know, it's really time for us to start exploring additional political parties. And I think, you know, I was just talking with my wife a couple of days ago about this. Like, you know, you have, you have these, you have these QAnon people, which are far right. Then you have like these occupied, you know, occupy wall street. Antifa, you know, the, the, the organization of Black Lives Matter and all this other stuff, they are very far left. You know, if people don't know about Black Lives Matter, some of their, their, their founders are actually, they're open Marxists. So they, they, they subscribe to the theory of Marxism, which is the basis for communism. Now, uh, you know, that, that shouldn't be confused with the idea, the, the ideology of Black Lives Matter. Nobody's going to disagree with, you know, you know, black people don't matter. They do. They, it, they absolutely do. It's the order that people yes. like that attach themselves to a, you know, an idealism that, you know, for all intents and purposes, it, it, it's a, it's a great, it's funny because I just had this conversation with somebody, you know, they were asking like, what were my thoughts of black lives matter and this and that. And I was like, you know, like early on when this whole thing was first getting off the ground and early on meaning, um, where it started to take up traction last year in regards to the George Floyd incident where, you know, it, it too quickly went from peaceful protesting to basically buildings being burned down. And 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 then the finger pointing started again and people got away from what it actually meant. Right. So somebody was asking me what I thought, and there's an individual that, uh, that was basically when it was going Black Lives Matter, he quickly chimed in. He's like, what do you mean Black Lives Matter? All lives matter. And to his point, they do. Yeah. But like my response to him was just like, do you need a sign? Do you need a sign that says your life matters? 
because I, I think I think you're okay. Yeah. But what needs to be paid attention to, and then just going back to the episode that we did with Tiger Mills, like there oh. is, there is, disproportionately, you know, incidents that happen like this far more to people of African American descent is yeah. what it is. Yeah. But it, it was just it was it was crazy, like just to think back, like, do you need a sign, George? Do you? It will make <laughs> you feel better if you had a sign. But, you know, but to get back to what you're saying, like, everybody will agree with that. You know, when when everybody saw the images of this knee being pinned to the back of George Floyd's head, and then, you know, ultimately, we all know what happened to him. Nobody disagreed with that. No, nobody not one. Not one person that, that I know of. was fucked up. Yeah. But then this whole thing starts, and everybody was behind it. And then when you have these, like you said, Marxist... Yeah, people that attach themselves to it, you see how all of a sudden nobody should be divided on on that statement. No, right? nobody should be divided. Like, no, oh, really? Black Lives Matter? Really? I mean, granted, we have the KKK. I get it. There's going to be some pushback, um, and that's something like dismissive of it. And we we understand that that's going to be attached to it, but like nobody disagrees. But then, yeah. when you when you interest, when when you inject this far left idealism, you know, in reference to Marxism and all this other, like then, you know, the whole message gets lost. It's really a shame. It does, and that and and that's and that's what I, what I'm trying to to get people to understand is stop using emotion. Just stop with your emotion. Stop that. That's completely illogical. We are we are in. Uh, very, very interesting times compared to what it has been in the past. And I think it's where the populace is all over the world has really become self-aware of what's going on. And the populace is, has finally gotten their, 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 I don't know. I don't know exactly how to, how to explain it, but their tolerance for elites running their lives has gotten to has finally gotten to a boiling point. They finally had enough of it. Okay, the average everyday person throughout the world, especially here in the United States, is finally is starting to wake up. I can't say fully awake, but starting to wake up that we are absolutely tired of these elitists running our lives and really driving us to fight amongst ourselves. So we are distracted while these elitists, these politicians, celebrities, whatever, keep taking more from us, okay? They keep, they keep pitting us against each other with these ideologies and, and all this other bullshit. So then they're free to do whatever they want because they know, okay, they know the force that's going to, to, to bring them back to reality is the average everyday person like us. There's significantly more of us than there are of them. They know that. So what do they do? They make us fight against each other. They make us, they, they keep us distracted while they do their own thing and they make themselves richer and they accumulate more power over time. So again, like I said before, we need to stop with this bullshit, this bantering back and forth that you know these different ideologies stop the far right and the far left because all we're doing is that 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 keeps perpetuating this fight amongst ourselves forever again while these elitists who say they're on our side or on the other side are actually they're all playing for the same team for themselves 
Right. They're yeah, enriching they're themselves and they are and they are they're accumulating power. Yeah. So you, we need to stop. You know what's a great example of that is, you know, with this whole Black Lives Matter movement, the well, I don't want to say the movement, but the idea of it. I don't think we've realized how much of the world really turns to the United States even now. And the reason I say this is because week after week, you know, I, I'm, I think we, we might have thrown out that I'm a big Manchester United fan. I love, I love English soccer. I love watching it. But one thing that I noticed before every game is they, everybody, players, coaches, refs even, they take a knee before the game starts. Then the whistle blows, they start playing. But they take the knee, and they, you know, the broadcasters mention it's a stand-up to racism. This all started in wake of the George Floyd protests. Uh This didn't happen because of an issue. I mean, obviously, there's issues there, too, and they they were able to relate to it. But it it wasn't for this incident that happened in the United States that sent ripple effects throughout England, throughout Europe itself, because I think this has been, this has happened from time to time in, in you know, with the German league and the French league, whatever, just in regards to taking the knee. And I think after seeing this, you know, what was the big controversy in the NFL? Everybody was taking knee during the anthem, right? Yep. I feel like this would have been like, okay, you know what? Let's make a compromise. Let's all get on the same page. But this was never introduced as far as the NFL goes. There was never, hey, we're, we're going to stand for the national anthem. But after that, let's say prior to kickoff, when everybody's in formation, you guys are down there, we're all going to take a knee together. We're mm-hmm. going to do this together in solidarity. Yeah. Instead, what did we want to do? Everybody wanted to have this, this, you know, this slap fest, like, oh, no, he's not going to stand up for the anthem. I mean, and I understand both sides. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I like to bust chops because, like, if I see somebody, you know, if I'm watching a game at home or something like that, and I'm with people and I know they kind of had that, oh, they're not going to stand for the anthem? What's wrong with those people? Like, they can't make the, they can't protest when they're at work and this and that. Like, hey, we're in the living room. We're watching the game, the national anthem's on. Like, when the Super Bowl's on next Sunday, if you happen to watch it with a group of friends, how many of them are going to be standing up when the national anthem is on? How many are even going to be paying attention to the national anthem? That's true. Or are they going to be too worried about filling up the Dorito bowl because they're starting to get a little soggy from sitting out? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's better put the, better put the better put your your appetizers in, and so they're ready for the second quarter. Nobody's paying attention to that. But why? Because they're on TV. All of a sudden, they're held to a different standard, and all of a sudden, they have to act like they are in the military and need to stand at attention. Like, like I said, I understand both points. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that like you know, going back to this, like Colin Kaepernick, for example, you know where this whole thing started. The knee started with the conversation that he had with the seal. Ranger. Ranger was it a ranger? I thought it was a seal. Nonetheless, no, it was Army somebody ranger, involved yeah. in somebody involved in yeah. in the military, which is ironic because that's what everybody kind of went back to and said, "Wow, it's just a big disrespect to the military." And I agree with that sentiment to some degree until you find out that it was somebody from the military was like, dude, I don't think it's cool that you sit down, man. Take a knee, man. It's just like you're, you know, you're out there. You're, you're not hiding. You're, you're, you're out there. Your face is out there. The national anthem. It got people talking. But the thing is, is that sometimes it's a conversation that people are just too afraid to have. Afraid, you know, just unwilling, whatever the case may be. Yeah. 
And I, I mean, uh, and that that that's that's the issue that that we commoners have amongst ourselves is that we've gotten and these these and I keep I, I hate keep you know referring to the term elitist because it just sounds like this like you know this this completely fringe conspiracy theory that you have you know only a handful of people who run the world, but in reality that's really what we have. We have a handful of people that really that run everything. Okay. These are, these are the upper echelons of society. These are people that live completely different lives from the average person, whether you're here in in the United States in France, South Africa, China, Korea, whatever. If you're a commoner, you're a commoner. If you're an elitist, you, you have a whole different, different lifestyle. You have totally different goals and objectives for, for yourself and your family. Okay you don't associate with, with commoners. Um, but the problem is, is that the elitists have done a very good job of making us fight amongst ourselves with all these, all these things. And, 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 and they've, they've done a very good job to ensure that we don't engage in meaningful conversation when it comes to the stuff. I've argued with people about the whole kneeling during the national anthem. Like, you know, I've, I've said to people, I understand the argument why they would do that, what, what they're trying to raise awareness to. I get it. I, I agree with them. I, I stand with you on that issue. What I don't agree with is that you do it during the national anthem because that's a very, very symbolic time for all Americans. And you, you, can, you can make the, the lawyer arguments that, you know, they're not obligated to do it. Um, it's in their constitutional right to do so, you know, freedom of speech and all this other stuff, whatever, I get it. But, you know, (laughs) when it, when it comes to, when it comes to, to living life, you don't just do things always by what's written down as a rule or what's written down as a law. You do things that are also in good etiquette in respect of other people, despite the fact that you may not agree with something. But look in the grand scheme of things, how arbitrary is that argument that people became so divisive over it? It just goes to show like what you were just talking about before that people need to come together. But it's almost like, okay, this is this is not that big of a deal. I mean, maybe it's a big deal to some people, but I don't think it's a big deal to everybody. I mean, NFL lost viewership over this because. Yeah, they did. Significantly. Right. So people just don't. Not everybody has that but it's almost like he was forced it down people's throat because that's all the media wanted to talk about yep yeah and this this is what i'm talking about like the media is part of the elitist class where they they they've they've drilled this into our heads so much that they they've if if they didn't piss you off they did their damnest to do so to to push you to one side of the issue or another not to really say let's have a meaningful conversation of what this means and what can we do to really to come together as a country to ensure that we respect everybody on both sides of the issue. They have it. Why? <laughs> because again, they want us fighting amongst ourselves. That's the exact reason why. They have no desire to really, to really to 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 remedy things, to, to help be the remedy for certain things. No. They want to keep driving a wedge between us. Why? So then we are distracted with all the other nefarious things that they want to do for themselves. That's the exact reason why. And this is why I'm, I'm going to keep harping on the point. 
and I'm, I've, I've gotten encouragement from this past week, which with exactly what I saw happen on Wall Street, with GameStop, <clears throat> with the average investors really screwing hedge fund managers who have been screwing people for decades. It's finally, the, the, the chickens have finally come home to roost on these hedge fund managers, okay? I finally have encouragement where I see hope, okay? I see hope in our country once again, where the average everyday Americans can really make a huge difference, but we need to be united. We need to band together. We can't let our, our this, these artificial political differences keep driving a wedge between us. We need to stop with our own, <clears throat> we need to stop with our, our own ideologies and we need to really open up and talk with other people who we don't agree with. We have to, because if we don't, we are going to come back to what happened in 2021, which was a, a horrific year. And everybody wants to forget that. 2020. Yeah. But, if we, but if we don't band together, we're gonna keep reliving 2020 and it's only gonna get worse over time. Right. But the problem is, is that, you know, so often, even when you take a glance in your news feed and social media, like you're, there's people that, you know, you try to play an objective point of view from, from when they're obviously glaring and, and nobody, they don't want to hear it. In fact, it's this tribal mentality where there's other people that might be following the post that were involved in making comments before they kind of jump in like hyenas attacking, a, you know, a wounded buffalo just because like, oh, they, you know, it, this gang mentality if you will where all right that's they they have an argument oh they're not defending i it's all right i got this yeah i'm gonna chime yeah. in like, like i mean I, I, like there was something i, I posted something and just a, a friend of mine had something about um something about like the news feeding this covid hoax or whatever and i was just like you don't really think this is a hoax do you and he's <laughs> like no i was like all right thank god and then somebody else who was unrelated to it jumped in and then like this big long paragraph about how it, it, it they're using they you know in air quotes they yeah um, are, are using the pandemic as a means to not even they won't even use the word pandemic right because those things don't exist right there's never as, as if they, they've, they've never happened in, in human history never happened in human year. history like there's nope. no way that these things could possibly ever happen so COVID came out and it's just a, a way to manipulate people and force them to comply and do things. And like, listen, man, it, like if the government's going to try to get you to comply with anything and it's going to be that far, like I always see these, these references like, Oh, you know, the, the German regime of the forties didn't just start out, you know, by committing genocide and, and, and all this other crazy shit. Like it's always like, yeah, they started out small, right? They were doing this and this and this. Do you really think like, okay, we're, the, the, the government is trying to get us to comply. So they're just having us wear masks for a little while. Like that's where they're going to start. They're going to start by saying, but, but these are the same people that are like, oh, the, the spatial recognition technology has gone too far. So they want you to cover your face. <laughs> like how does that even like how does one thing fit with the other you're you're preaching two different narratives it just doesn't make sense to me and that's that's the problem that i think people don't really understand i mean it's it's i don't know it's in the whole thing with like you know th this is my issue with with people with um you know how how twitter and facebook took it upon themselves 
to, you know, to suspend, you know, Trump's uh, Twitter account. And, and, the, and it wasn't just him. I think people need to understand they didn't just silence him. They silenced a lot of people with more conservative leaning political views. So if you're, if you're, you know, if you're more liberal leaning, you would probably agree with that. But you have to understand is that it, that's how it starts. It doesn't just end there. Okay. They will silence the voices of anybody that, that they don't agree with. And today you may be their friend tomorrow. You probably won't be their friend. Okay. So my, my big warning to everybody is that don't lose the forest through the trees. Okay. This is a serious problem altogether. That's how it starts. So if you don't recognize that as being a problem, then you are part of the problem. You really need to, to, to do, uh, uh, you really need to, to search your own soul to see exactly where you stand on this issue. Because yes, today you may agree with it because it doesn't fit your political narrative or your, or your social justice warrior narrative. But it's a bigger issue than that. And you need to stop and you really need to, you really need to take into consideration exactly what was going on there. I don't agree with it altogether. I don't agree with liberal voices being, being silenced at all. I may disagree with them wholeheartedly because I think some of them are batshit crazy. But I don't want them cited at that point. No, it, it is fun to listen to, but you you lose you lose the ability to have open dialogue when one voice is, is silenced. There is no more dialogue. No. That's the problem. It shuts down completely. Yeah. Exactly. But that's exactly what what these what these uh, uh, and again I hate keep using the word elitist because I sound like a conspiracy theorist but that's a no, that, that that's exactly that's a generic is. word you could term for you could use right. for all these people. But I could I could expand on that you know I mean just before you were making this example about how you hope twenty twenty one is this this year where we kind of band together and you know you could take a look back and even just before the inauguration right so we'll use last week as an example of you know, the common folk taking over the, the stock market and being able to exploit it and showing, hey, this is what these people have been doing for years. Now we're doing it and they're changing the rules, right? Mm -hmm. But we want to back it up even before that. And we're talking about how Twitter took away the Twitter account of the sitting president of the United States of America. Okay. These are two examples where you're just showing where these big tech firms, they came in and they, they, move the goalposts like I, I say all the time you know um, they, they change the rules to fit their constituents uh -huh. because if, if Main Street gets a voice or Main Street makes some money then their elite status just isn't high in stature anymore if you exactly you know what I mean if exactly so basically my, my point is is that we're seeing how controlled we actually are yep I, and that, that, that's, what, that's what I said before. It's um, I'm encouraged once again to see that people are finally waking up. Okay. I, I, and I hope it continues in that direction. And I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, you know, that, that, you know, the country ends in violence or any of this other stuff. It's like, no, it's like, you finally need to realize that 
you know, although you think you're playing for a certain team, okay, all you, you're you're a bench player on, on that team. They have no intentions of putting you out in the game. You are just there as supporting staff for the people who actually who who play in that game. Right. That's all you are. You're a pawn and all that. Okay. You're you're part of the practice squad. That's all you are. So stop thinking that you know one day you know put me in coach is going to happen because it's not. As long as you're as long as you're not part of that crowd, you ain't going anywhere. So stop thinking that that your team is going to support you because it's not. The only team that's going to support you is everybody else that's like you every single day when you got to go to work to to make do for yourself and your own family. So stop thinking that your political party, you know, your 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 elitists that you follow are your friends because they're not. Okay? Your neighbors are. Your friends are your family. Your average everyday American across the country that has to do the same shit that you do every single day just to survive, that's who your friend is, even if you disagree with them or not. They may be completely different from you. Get over that and just say, we need to unite ourselves as uh, as a country once again. But getting there, you know what I mean? Because We have to get there. We really do. Because even when there's something to unite over, there's still these these squabbles, you know. It is. It's just it's stupid, you know. I, it, it, I, ironically enough, I, I was um, I just happened to to start reading about this past week about um about World War Two in, in Italy. Obviously, that, that that that's where my my family is from. Um, and I started reading about how how um a lot of, you know. A lot of the the Italian population started rebelling against the fascist re- regime of of uh, Benito Mussolini, and they just they just wanted no part of it anymore. They really didn't. So they banded together, and you had people from like all. And I was reading about it. it's like people from all different political ideologies. You had you had socialists, you had uh, communists, you had liberals, you had libertarians you had uh, i guess what you would consider to be more conservatives they literally all banded together to fight back against the fascist regime they banded together to fight back against the nazis who eventually came in in, and occupied part of italy okay they had they had major differences amongst themselves they had a lot of infighting but there's one thing that they had in common is that they were sick and tired of being controlled by by these totalitarian regimes. They finally had the awakening. They finally had their epiphany and said, if we don't do something about this, we're all going to get crushed. And that's exactly what they did. Okay. The, the, they, were, they were called the partisans. In Italian, you, you say partigiani. Okay. That's who they were. They were all part. They were all different. They were all partisans. Okay. They weren't of the same political ideologies, the same social ideologies, they all, but they all banded together and they, and they fought back against the fascist regime. Eventually they, they got help by the allied forces, by the Americans, by the Brits and all that other stuff, but, and they needed the help, but they had the balls to really fight back against them because they're sick and tired of that bullshit. They all realized that they were all different and they were okay with that. But this fascist, this fascist regime wanted to put them all in, in, a, in the same category. And they didn't like that. And that's exactly what we need to do. That, that's exactly what, what we need to understand here is that we are all going to be different. We are going to have different 
differences of opinion. But at the end of the day, if we keep fighting against ourselves, all these elitists are just going to keep controlling us, whether we like it or not. Right. Hopefully it doesn't get that far, but you know, as time goes on, it's just almost like we're getting nudged a little further and further along the way. It's interesting. I had this conversation with somebody earlier today in there, like, you know, actually history, uh, history background. They're saying like, you know, the idea of communism on paper it looks great. Oh yeah, absolutely. It looks great, and maybe because it's you know on paper it looks so beautiful is why a lot of scholars kind of trend that way, without like the common sense and really being in the trenches, so to speak. You know what well, I mean? Yeah, and that's uh, that, day to day realizing that your accomplishments will just uh -huh. get ripped from you and, and given to somebody else. Yeah, in that kind of setting. Yeah, that's why your you know your scholars and your and your academics, of course, of course, they're going to side with something like socialism or communism because they don't live in the real world like everybody else. They live in an ideal world of teaching people about the real world, which is which is totally ironic. Just doesn't make any sense do, whatsoever. You can't teach. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, moving on. Yeah, because there's other stuff to talk about here. Yeah, sorry, sorry to to, to hijack the episode. No, it's quite all right. These are things I had uh, highlighted here to talk about anyway. So curious, man. I got to ask you, okay? Yeah. Being the fact that you're the infectious disease specialist, and I'm not, um, mm -hmm. what, makes, what makes something more contagious? The reason I'm asking is because as this whole COVID thing goes on and on and on, obviously, it's something that we talked about early on, you know, um, in that just like any virus, it, it, as it gets passed around, it ends up mutating, correct? Uh -huh. So what is it that makes like some of these new strains that they're finding, what makes them more contagious? Like how, how is it? Like, is it more absorbent through your, your, your skin? Like how, how is that? I mean, there's, there's an infinite number of, of reasons as to why a pathogen could be more contagious versus, you know, what's, you know than what's typically known Are about there more it or... spikes on the protein no it, it's it so if, if you're talking specifically about the coronavirus about this yeah. you know COVID-19 so these new variants that they found so especially the the UK variant I think this the South African variant as well South African I'm hearing a lot about yeah so this apparently the the spike protein can interact with our own cells much more efficiently if you will so it's it's that real process of how the pathogen interacts with their own cells and how quickly it could get incorporated and all that other stuff. So that's kind of like what, what makes it more contagious. But it's not a one size fits all um, um, philosophy, if you will. There, there's many factors that really that that can really determine uh, how contagious a pathogen is. So is it like it doesn't require as large of a, a viral load to start to interact with your, your own system. Not, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, the, the viral load is important. So the viral load has been implicated more so in severity of disease. So how, how sick you get. So it's, it's the viral load or the number of viral particles that you're exposed to. That's what's known as the viral load, if you will. Um, that's directly proportional to how sick people have been getting. Mm -hmm. 
So I, interestingly enough, you bring this up. I was just talking to, to one of my friends uh, this past weekend, who's a, who's a physician. And, and I asked him, I said, you know, how are things going with COVID right now? He said, you know, the hospitals are, are packed with COVID patients. He said, but you know, people aren't as sick now as they were back in March or April when this thing first broke out here in the United States. He's like, I'm really not sure why he said, I, he said, maybe, you know, we just know about it better. And I, you know, I was talking to him in person we're we're face to face and I, I grabbed my mask. I said, well, this is one of the reasons. And he's like, I think you're right. And, and I said, I said, you know, the other one is people socially distancing, washing their hands. I said, if you think about it, all this really helps to reduce the viral load that you would get. And he said, yeah, I, I think you're right. He said, I, I think, you know, early on, we just didn't really understand enough. And people were really just exposing themselves unknowingly, you know, to, to other people that were very sick. And so you get a lot of virus exposed to you if there's somebody that's actively sick in front of you spreading the virus to you. Whereas nowadays, we're more cautious. We're keeping our distance from people. We're wearing masks. We're washing our hands constantly. We're staying away from situations that are, that are going to expose us to a large amount of virus. So, you know, people are still getting sick, just not as sick as they were back in April and March. And the, the, the mortality rate doesn't seem to be as high as it was back then. Then you couple that with new therapeutics. We understand how to treat people a little better. So it's a totally different ballgame. But when it comes to the, to the contagious nature of these vi viruses, it's really hard to say from, you know, what makes this virus more contagious from this one. It, there's a lot of different variables that can really come into that can really determine that. So it's, it's hard to say what makes something more contagious. But what I can tell you is that as long as a pathogen keeps passing from people to people within a population, the chances of that pathogen mutating to something different, either more, more highly virulent, more contagious, less contagious, less virulent, um, producing different toxins and all that other stuff, the chances of it mutating one way or another always increase as it keeps spreading within a population. Does that make sense? Right, absolutely. So we mentioned that there's different variants throughout the globe. You know, I mean, you just mentioned South, uh, South Africa and England. I think there's another variant in Brazil. Um, all things said, I think last week uh, we might have mentioned that different variants were found in 60 different countries throughout the world. Um, has it been discovered that any of these variants, although we're finding that they're more easily transmissible, as we mentioned, are they more lethal? Are they resistant to these vaccines that we've already developed? I know Moderna has said that um, they're going to basically play around with their, their second dose and try to alter it a little bit to, to cover some of these other variants. Yeah, so I, um, interesting that you mentioned that. So I know early on when that, U, when that new UK variant reared its ugly head, there is a little bit of research done in it where it, they they look to see if there's any difference in mortality associated with it. And although that they saw that it was more contagious, it would spread easier from person to person. The actual mortality rates were no real were no different from the original virus itself. So it didn't seem like mortality was that higher. Then all of a sudden, last week or I think the week before, Boris Johnson of all people comes out and said that well, you know, it may be more deadly, but there was really no context behind that actual statement. 
I haven't actually looked at any 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 articles to really any scientific articles for that matter. Yeah, but saying that it may be more more deadly sounds more like a disclaimer than actually fact based. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I didn't recall seeing any sort of context behind that in terms of where he was getting that that particular statement from. Yeah. So, um, so I, I I would caution people to to take that with a grain of salt. I'm I'm not suggesting you go out and be reckless and say, well, you know, fuck it, it's just contagious, but it's not more deadly. I'm going to take my chances. No, you really shouldn't do that. You really should should keep your precautions, without a doubt. But I, I just don't know of any data definitively coming out saying that these new variants are more deadly than. And and again, I mean, you have to take into consideration what do we mean by deadly? Are we talking about like you know? Now it's a now you know young otherwise young healthy people are dying in higher proportions versus older sicker people. I, I don't know like exactly how you would define deadlier is really is up for debate to be quite honest. Interesting to see you know with these different variants and now we have another vaccination about to enter the race with the Johnson and Johnson one, which is a, mm-hmm. one, a single dose, but as opposed to the Pfizer and Moderna are, are two doses. But conversely, it's also has a lower efficacy. It's like 75%, whereas, you know, with the two-dose system, we're seeing in the mid-90s. Yeah, yeah, so... Be the yeah, so to somebody to take a Johnson & Johnson. Like, why would, why would somebody typically be likely to gravitate towards that? I mean, maybe somebody, you know, maybe somebody of the general population, an adult patient that's generally young and healthy, uh, maybe you could take your chances with something like that. I, I would I would think it would make more sense to go with something that has a greater than 90% efficacy as opposed to something that's more upper 60s, low 70% efficacy. It just makes sense to, to do so. I mean, it, when, you know, in, in all other medications, when you're testing them in clinical trials, if, if, you, if you're comparing yourself to your competitor, and your competitor is 95% efficacious and you're only 66% efficacious, that's a serious problem because that means that your drug is really not going to be used at all. So, you know, from my perspective, why would you consider sticking to, to Johnson & Johnson if, if it comes time for me to get vaccinated and I have the choice between Moderna's, Pfizer's, or Johnson & Johnson's, I'm going to pick the first two as opposed to J&J. Because, you know, Johnson Johnson's shot really doesn't show that great of efficacy versus versus the others. Granted, it's only one versus two. Makes so, you wonder if they, if they turned it into a two-shot system. I, I you, you have to wonder. You're absolutely right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's a lot to unpack for one, uh, one episode. Yeah, there's a lot. A lot of, uh, I feel like... Um, feel like um like john connor broadcasting to the to the rest of the the humans in terminator yeah skynet (laughs) is about to unleash yeah exactly how funny is that to look back at that you know that reference is actually it's it's pretty it's a pretty good reference especially you know you we just got over the conversation talking about how a lot of these this big tech is basically controlling you yeah i mean listen i mean you know when when if you look at that that movie, if and it, you just get away from from the special effects and and you know the 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 horror behind it or the action behind it as entertainment, if you if you look at the actual concept behind it, 
and really philosophize about it. It's, it, it really was a good, you know, a good indicator of things to come in, in the not so distant future. Now, I mean, it, you know, you talk about the Terminator, it, the year that we're in right now, 2021 in Terminator, we would have been in, in, a, in a war with robots and all this other bullshit. But again, you have to, you know, just put all the, you know, put all the Hollywood aside. If you think about the actual concept, we're there. I mean, we're, we're, we're battling technology. Technology is great for our lives. It makes our lives a lot easier. But at the same time, it's very easy to see how, how technology can really take your life over. And if you're not careful, if we're not careful, and I know a lot of people have warned about this, like especially with artificial intelligence, even, even Elon Musk has warned about it. If we're not careful with it, artificial intelligence can really take over our lives. So when, 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 when artificial intelligence becomes self-aware, it really can see us as basically just being a nuisance. So yeah, these movies are not, they're not far-fetched. They really aren't. So I remember this story from a while back where it was, it was talking about Facebook shutting down an artificial intelligence engine after the developers discovered that the AI created its own unique language that humans couldn't understand. <laughs> How crazy is that? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So let's see what the Snopes have to say about this. It's false. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because reading through um, this this write up that Snopes put through, they actually uh, they reference Skynet of the Terminator movies. And that's that that's exactly how it pans out in the movies. It's like they they create this artificial intelligence to you know, to, to kind of do the job of humans, essentially, if you will. But the issue with artificial intelligence is that it doesn't have that human factor. It doesn't have that, that the emotion associated with it. Things are very logical. And as artificial intelligence gets more intelligent and, and can develop better logic than we can, it's very objective. It, it has none of that emotion in it. Right. So that's exactly the whole concept behind Skynet in the Terminator is that it becomes very what it's perceived to be cold blooded because it just starts eliminating human beings because it realized that all human beings have the potential in them to be evil. So, you know, but it also doesn't realize that all human beings also have the ability to be good and to do good for the rest of humanity. So it just it, it's very, very calculated and and just sees a human being as as being a threat and just tries to eliminate them all without really deciphering between different human beings right you know and especially you, you mentioned terminator but also a good reference point is 1984 and who who would have really had that idea you know orson wells he had the foresight to to see something like this however you know it's just 36 years later than he originally thought he would see it yeah yeah very also another another very very interesting book and how it's how it's all really coming coming to fruition now it really is like with the with the new speak that they had and and um things that were were kind of uh, i guess uh, jocko willink had this whole i don't, I don't want to use the word skit but he had this whole discussion on it in one of his podcasts and he was literally talking about 1984 the book and like comparing it to the gulag with the with the, the USSR back in the day and how they sent people there and all that other stuff like re-education camps and 
and how they're, you know, they were the way they were, they were educated. It was really to limit the amount of educated education to really limit their vocabulary. So their ability to actually communicate effectively with one another was highly reduced. And if you think about it now, I mean, you're, they're starting to eliminate language from, from the English language, like, like pronouns that that's, yeah. that's one of the biggest things. Even in Congress, so, there's certain words that you're not allowed to say anymore. It can't be mother, can't be father, it has to be parent. It can't be aunt, it has to be, uh, it can't be uncle, it's got to be parent, sibling. Like, yeah. It, and these are, these are rules set for the group that basically runs our, our country, our laws. Yeah. Our laws are set forth by people who made this law, this rule, which essentially in that building, it's a law, right? Mm-hmm. That they can't use certain words. Yeah. Certain words are not to be spoken in this place. Yeah. So, you know, like 20, 30 years ago, you would have thought, oh, 1984 is a far-fetched concept, but here we are. We are, we're living it right now. We're living it. I mean, we're not to the same extent that, that, that they're at at this point, but we're there. We're getting there. We really yes. are. It's like, we're, we're like literally in a hybrid between 1984 and, and the Terminator. And ironically, didn't the first Terminator come out in 1984? Did it really? I think it, maybe it did. Yeah, I think it did. <laughs> How we've grown from those few words that George Carlin originally said we couldn't say. What's that? that list, well, originally, George Carlin, remember, he had the, uh, the bit where it was like, well, how many words was it? Certain words that he, you couldn't say. But it was all <laughs> swear words that you couldn't say. <laughs> but now it's, it's, it's expanded from just like those four-letter words to these three-letter yeah. words. Like, man. Yeah. Or like, you know, people referring themselves like he, him, or she, her. Like, what? Yeah, you talk to somebody that works in like a, a scholastic field and just like uh, the pronouns that they have to deal with now. Like they, they is a, is a group. Of, like, so are you saying that you have multiple personalities, so you have to address all of them? So that's they? Because if you're one person, you're not a they. It's just, it's so weird. It really is. And it's, and I, I mean, like these people that, that just blindly subscribe to these theories, like to these ideologies and these theories and all this other stuff. It's like, just stop, take a step back, really start thinking logically about this. And it's not, it's not about, you know, making sure you're not hurting people's feelings. It's again, you have these elitists that are telling you, that are telling you, with some cockamamie idea that if you address person by this type of pronoun, you may offend them and therefore you should refrain from doing it. You should really start thinking to yourself, does this actually make any sense? Because it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, what's interesting is the amount of different topics that get introduced. So for example, I have a person that I knew in high school they never really said anything on social media, Facebook. They were pretty quiet, you know, a couple of pictures of them and their family here and there. Last week we talked about this, uh, this order where the trans men, well, trans woman, I guess. So I don't, I, I don't know anymore to be, be honest. So men were going to be allowed into, to women's races, if you will. Scholastic. Yeah. Sports. Yeah. Yep. Okay. She usually, you know, quiet has started i've been seeing more posts from her in regards to this she's super religious like 
I remember in high school she did there was like a talent show and she did something and it was in regards to to religion I, I can't really remember it but the point that I'm making is that you have some people that are typically quiet even they're being forced to the keyboards because there's going to be something that they disagree with now and it's something that a lot of people disagree with because there's going to be people that are you know looking at scholarships and they're going to lose those scholarships because you know these girls are raising guys yeah i don't know and i think it's kind of hilarious that we have somebody who's basically working at what, what is what is their position oh, in the, uh, biden's health administrator oh the assistant assistant uh, secretary of health and human services is that what yeah but it's, yeah. it's a trans right yeah or is, or is it a girl no it's a it's a it's a dude dressed like a like a chick Rachel Levine. That's telling you to trust the science. Yeah, exactly. So, but, it, but see, and th this is this is the hypocrisy all, of all of it. It's like they're telling you trust the science, but I think it's pretty clear to understand that there's only two genders of people. There's men and there's women. Biologically, it makes absolute sense. You get men and women, you put them together, they reproduce sexually, and they produce offspring. If you have a man that wants to dress like a woman that tries to reproduce with another man, it's not going to happen. Biologically, it just doesn't doesn't work. So the thing is, I don't even care about that. I really don't even care about that. There's a great clip that you could find on YouTube involving Jordan Peterson, mm -hmm. where he's confronted by somebody of the trans community, and they're telling him what he's supposed to be saying, and he was he basically he's going off and saying like you you shouldn't be telling people what they can or cannot say. Agreed. Like you can't, you can't tell somebody that they can't call you because, you know, and then they go off and ask him, like, do you believe that a man could be a woman? And he's like, absolutely not. Since you're forcing me to answer this question, because there's certain, you know, certain genetic makeup that makes a woman the ability to carry a child, like a guy that dresses like a woman is not able to carry a child just because yeah. you want to dress like them. Yeah, I, 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 could, I could chop your nuts off and, and your, your penis and I can, I can cut a slit in, in between your legs. I, and I, I know it's, it's graphic and all that other stuff. I could give you all the estrogen and other female hormones you want. You will, as a man, if I do that to you, you will absolutely never have the ability to carry a child, period. Okay, let's, let's stop with this, this ridiculous idea that Men could be women and women could be men. It's, it's, it's not the case. I can put you through all the hormone therapy you want. I could give you all the estrogen on the face of the earth and you will never have the ability to carry a child. Okay. As a man. Okay. That's, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty simple as a, if you are a woman, you want to be a man. I can give you all the testosterone you want. I highly doubt that your pubic bones will actually fuse back together the way, the way men's have it. And women don't have them fused. Why? To give them wider hips to, to, to facilitate vaginal childbirth. Okay. It, it's, it's, it, it's as simple as that. Okay. And so let's stop with this idea that men could be women and women could be men. We can't. Okay. I mean, I, I cut my thumb this weekend and I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, we men, although we are, you know, we are physically bigger and stronger than women. This 
is the prime reason why we have shorter life expectancies because we do stupid shit and women don't. Okay, what women do do? tend to use more logic. So we're caulking like our crown molding and like some trim that we have on the on the baseboards, like around the walls and all this other stuff. So I had a brand new brand new razor to cut the tip off of the a, a tubing of of caulking. And like an idiot, I tried, you know, I like squeezed the knife toward my thumb and it, it literally sliced right through the tube and right, right into my thumb. I have about a three quarter of an inch cut. It's about a 16th of an inch in width. But like, I was thinking about it today as I'm driving home from Costco, I'm like, this is, this is the prime reason why men have a shorter life expectancy with women because we, we do stupid shit. Women don't. We're risk takers. Okay? Exactly. Men are more risk takers than, than women are. Okay. So I, again, it's, it's okay for us to be different. It really is. I, I respect women for having to do w- what they have to go through their entire life. I, I saw my wife give birth to, to both our kids. I, I, props to her. I, I don't know if I'd ever be able to do that. Seriously. I, I, and I, I mean that with all due respect to them. So stop with this idea that we're Absolutely. the same. We're not, we are not. And it's okay. It's okay to be different. Okay. Exactly. Well, Sif, that's all I have for this week. That's all I got. And with that, I'm the Oach. I'm the Siv. God, you were so delayed. <laughs> <laughs> should, should we send them to our website? Ochoandthesiv.com. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> But if yeah. you'd like to send us an email, you can send it to Ocho in the Civ at yahoo.com. Love to hear from you, especially in regards to the, the topics that, uh, that we discussed today. It's always nice to hear an outsider's information. Absolutely. Information? Yeah. Opinions, I guess. Opinions. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens when you have two scotches. Hmm. That's right. <laughs> All right, my friend. So with that. Adios, folks. Peace out. Peace.